0: Hey, welcome to the Buzz Podcast. I'm Mark Hyder. I'm here at the QRM Hive, and we are, wait for it, we're Hive talking. I'm here with Stacy Grondel, the Director of Reimbursement Operations for QRM. Welcome, Stacy.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me back. It's been a while. We've been busy, busy.
0: Oh my gosh. Everything seems like it's changing and I keep telling people, yeah, it has. And yet we're only a couple months away from the next proposed rule. So we have a window to move and we better move fast.
1: Yes. Always moving.
0: It is always moving. It's always moving. But this is more of a, a general topic today. And it's one that every time i bring it up on a call i start getting those little plods and stuff those visuals that are popping up and people saying, keep talking keep going so rather than me talking from my perspective i thought i'd invite you a very skilled talented mds nurse in her own right somebody who's done the job been there at every single level facility regional corporate you've done it right so this is well within your wheelhouse
1: Yes, and I thought you just invited me to talk about this because you know I'm so passionate about it. This is something, this is like my life goal to help people understand this.
0: Well, I know a lot of people who are passionate about a lot of things they don't know anything about. So I thought I'd let people know you do know something about this. So you can be passionate and and it's valid. So one of the things that I have a straight face when I'm talking about, but I talk about it anyways, is when CMS was, was rolling out PDPM, they started talking about, About all these changes they had made to eliminate the administrative burden on that RAI process and the MDS nurse. That's laughable. Like I said, I have a hard time keeping a straight face. But okay, that's your line. You're going to stick with it. So tell me in your opinion, have all these changes that have come up reduced the administrative burden on our MDS nurses and those IDTs? throughout the REI process?
1: Well, the simple answer is no, it hasn't, right? It is an interesting topic because as MDS nurses, we no longer have to complete you know, the 14-day, 30-day, 60-day, 90-day, the SOTs, EOTs, COTs. We don't have all of those MDSs to complete, but how many more items have been added to the MDS, right? And how many more important items have been added, right, that have ramifications on all of these other programs? So although we don't have all of these little MDSs that we do in between, we still have a ton of work to do. And I would even say it's even more complex now, right? Because they added all those resident interview questions. That takes a lot of time. That takes a lot of time to go in and do those interviews. Not only that, but think about every single state and they all have to change or not all of them, but all those that were using case mix index have to change their system. So we hear, oh, they went PDPM. But you look at one state who went PDPM compared to another state who went PDPM and they're completely different. So now these teams are having to learn new systems and maybe they require an extra MDS for this new system. So it's become a lot more complex. So the simple answer is no, the burden on MDS nurses has not become easier. It become larger and more complex.
0: I agree. I agree. And that's why I, I'm trying not to talk over you because I just want to explode and say something. <laughs> yeah. I've got so much to say. Yes. But it's crazy because some of these other systems that aren't necessarily RAI systems, but they're affected by the RAI process, like the SNF QRP and the value-based purchase and our five-star and all these other things that spin off of what we do with the, the MDS and the resident assessment instrument really complicate things because they're time-consuming. So you can talk about alleviating the administrative burden, but the truth is we're up to like 16 items on the SNF QRP. The eight on the value based purchase. I haven't even counted how many there are on the five star under the quality measures, plus the survey, plus the staffing, plus everything else that MDS nurses get pulled into. But out of. Not
1: to mention your ACOs, your bundle payments, figuring out how all of their programs work. I
0: nips. Yeah, just throw it in there.
1: Less MDSs but a lot more different programs that the MDS nurse is ultimately the one in the building that gets put in charge of figuring this all out.
0: True. You know, and one of the complicating factors is always the fact that most of the interdisciplinary team has a limited knowledge of the REI process. So even though when it was rolled out, it said that this is an interdisciplinary team function and that anybody can fill out most of the fields in the MDS that are properly trained, it falls back onto one person or one role in the facility for the most part, you know, what are some of the most time consuming items surrounding the MDS? What is it that takes so much time? Because we talk about a time and we're not talking about minutes. We're talking about hours for each MDS.
1: I would honestly say, as as I think about that question, I would say the resident interviews. I don't know how many people listening have ever been in a resident's room. You can think it's going to take you five minutes, 10 minutes. Most of the time you're in there for an hour or more because it's not just the interview, but then it comes up. They need fresh ice water. They need help going to the bathroom. They need this. They need that. Or they want to tell you their entire life story, right? So you go in for these interview questions and you end up being in the resident's room for a long time. And that's a very time consuming, you know, also chasing other IDT members around saying, hey, get your section done, get your section done. Those are things that I would say take up the most time, not to mention documentation. That's probably the number one thing I hear from facilities is we don't even have the basic documentation to support MDS coding. So then they're having to go out and chase someone down to get the documentation or go and do whatever it is so that they can document themselves.
0: You know, it's interesting because I'll hear people at the facility say, well, why don't they just document it? themselves. That can be problematic too, can it? Not that they can't. If they've (laughs) done something, they could and should document it. But what's the downside of them documenting multitude of the reimbursement items if nobody else is?
1: So we just talked about one time consuming, right? If your MDS nurse is out there doing everything and then documenting it, that takes their entire time. Then they have no time to actually do the MDS. But then from a compliance standpoint or from a survey standpoint, you're looking at the documentation on the MDS and it's done. All of the documentation by that one MDS nurse who's actually coding the MDS as well, they're just going to start looking deeper into that. What's going on? Why is this one person doing all of it? It's supposed to be an IDT process, right? The RIA process is supposed to be the team. We want to get a holistic view of the resident. And if it's just one person doing it all, you miss that holistic.
0: Right. And and I look back at it and I think, okay, the MDS and the PDPM case mix groups are really supposed to identify the burden of care and the resources involved to properly care for the resident. And so if one person is documenting everything, probably not really showing the burden, that 24-hour clock who is providing all those resources and that level of care makes me nervous. That one
1: person. Absolutely.
0: Mm -hmm. also makes me nervous that one person is gone for the weekend or gone for a vacation or out on a personal day. Does anybody step out or step up and do it?
1: No, never. I would say never. I would say never. Because a lot of times people don't even realize what that nurse is doing. So when the MDS nurse is gone, they don't even know what to step in and do.
0: I would agree because I hear that all the time. They're sitting in their office. They don't do anything. Well, your opinion, and I know you've got information from APAC and as well as observing as well as performing the MDS. How long does it take to complete a comprehensive MDS? So that five-day MDS per se. Yeah.
1: So if you're doing a comprehensive assessment from start to finish, that includes your cause and your care plans, it's about a three-hour job per comprehensive assessment. So if you think about that, you're doing, say you have two comprehensive MDSs in one day, that's six hours. You have your morning stand-up meeting, maybe you have clinical meeting, maybe your PDPM meeting. That's your entire day. And you got two MDSs done that day with everything else that you have going on. And that honestly is the biggest issue that I see MDS nurses facing is doing all of these extra tasks so they don't have time to do their job. And there's no one to backfill for them. There's no else in the facility that knows how to do an MDS. So they're spending all of their time in meetings or doing these extra tasks, and they get one MDS done a day. Or maybe they don't even complete an MDS a day. And then they get in trouble because they're behind on their MDSs. That's probably why we're seeing so many MDS nurses leave, because there's just unrealistic expectations for that role now.
0: It's interesting. I always think of that reimbursement team in the facility, and I think it's led by the administrator. And I think there are other three other people that are automatically on that team. One is my business office manager for obvious reasons. One is admissions. The other is the MDS nurse. And I think, why aren't they protecting? the people who are really helping them to keep their doors open, to generate that revenue and and do it right. But a lot of people like to look at that MDS nurse as another nursing license in the facility. He or she is a nurse. Why can't they help with nursing stuff? What's the danger there?
1: And I think we've already talked about it, but the danger is you have nobody generating that revenue, right? You have your admissions people, they're bringing in residents, but our MDSs aren't complete. So maybe we're not getting paid by Medicaid or Medicare. So we're not bringing in those revenue dollars. We're not allowing them time to accurately and adequately gather the documentation. So we're putting dashes on the MDS. That's going to impact our QRP. That's the biggest danger is not recognizing how important that person is. Just like you said, I think it comes from a lack of knowledge from those operators. They don't understand what the MDS nurse is doing. Like you've mentioned a couple of times, they just sit in that office and fill out a paper and I don't know what else they do. Right. So it's always I've always made it my life mission. I'm going to go in and I'm going to help those operators understand. I'm going to ask them, how many MDSs do you think is a reasonable amount for them to get done during a day? How many hours a day are they spending in meetings? I have one right now he's spending at least four hours a day in meetings. How much time does that leave to actually complete MDSs? Not to mention having to go and gather that documentation, right? Being proactive, finding the documentation you need, because that all takes time as well.
0: I agree. And I did ask that question purposely so we would repeat some of that stuff because one of the things that I want people to hear, is when you pull somebody out of their job function and it's a very specific role like MDS and you don't provide additional resources, if they get that done, if they get the MDS done, it's going to be done hastily. It's going to be done quickly. And so the risk is it's incomplete. It's inaccurate. And one of the things that I find MDS nurses talking to me about a lot is I don't have time to find the information. And so I know that there may be more information out there, but I have to get this done and I'm being assigned to other things. I'm being assigned to go supervise the dining room to be the manager on duty to be on call to do med passes to do all that to be the wound care nurse I've had some that say I was asked to be the infection preventionist for my building and it was a pretty busy building as far as skilled and long-term care and so I think there's a lack of acknowledgement that when you rob from one it's going to show up in that other part of their job they're not going to go back and do it like they would they're not going to go do a thorough documentation review so your revenue probably is going to go down. And it is related to the fact that we're not respecting the role of the MDS nurse.
1: Right. And I think one too, when, when I'm speaking to operators, you know, as an operator, you want to find a way to get the things done that you need done at the lowest cost, right? You have to control your cost. I don't think administrators realize how costly it is to pull the MDS nurse. So we're not just talking about their wages, which they possibly are getting paid more than your floor nurses, right? So you pull them in to work as a floor nurse, but not only that, just like we talked about, they're not doing the MDSs correctly, so now it's costing you in your revenue. Maybe they're, they didn't have time to go and find the information, so they're dashing, so now it's impacting you. You're getting a 2% reduction on your Medicare rate for an entire fiscal year. That's huge, but as an administrator, you're not thinking about that. You're thinking, I've got to have this floor shift covered. Yes, you do. I agree. Care comes first, but is there a cheaper, more effective way to do it rather? than pulling your MDS nurse. Who else in your facility? Oftentimes, if you can give somebody else a bonus, that's going to be cheaper for you as an administrator in the long run than pulling your MDS nurse. There's no one in the facility. Occasionally there is, but most of the time, there's no one in the facility that can backfill for your MDS nurse. No one knows what they're doing, as we've already established. How are you going to backfill? If they're working a grave shift, they're not going to be able to come in and work in the morning to complete those MDSs. It's month-end billing. Who's going to get that done? These are questions as an operator, you really have to think about and not just think, okay, the easiest thing to do is pull pull my MDS nurse to the floor. They're there. They can do it. They know the residents. What's that going to do to them?
0: True story. And I think that is the heart of the issue is really identifying the proper role of your MDS nurse, protecting that MDS nurse in that role, not alleviating the work that he or she should be doing, but protecting them within that role because that's their primary function. That's the reason that you have them in that role. And there is probably nobody else in your facility who can do their job. The other thing why we're talking to the administrators and you brought it up earlier, chasing people down who are supposed to do some of the assessments, do the PHQ 2 to 9 or the BIMS or whatever that have been assigned out, registered dietitian that's doing a, a nutrition screen, those type of things. How much time do you think is wasted in many facilities when it's left up to the MDS nurse to make sure everybody's doing that job? And is there a more effective way of getting that done?
1: I don't know if I could put a timeframe frame on how much they're doing it. But I would say every single building that I have ever been involved in in my career, that is a big headache for the MDS nurses to have to. These sections are assigned out and it's pretty universal. You go to any building across the country and it's pretty universal who does what sections of the MDS. And it's been that way forever. But yet those people who do the other sections haven't been held accountable. Mostly it was because those sections have never driven payment before. It wasn't a big deal. The operators, weren't super concerned about it. But now that they drive payment, several of those items now drive payment, maybe for Medicaid and Medicare, it's become a higher focus. But it's still at that point where the MDS nurse, they have their sections done, they're ready to sign them off and they're waiting for social service. They're waiting for activities, they're waiting for the dietitian. They're waiting for whoever to get their portion in. And as an MDS nurse, I'm just going to say it, no one really listens to them when they say, "Hey, this needs to be done." It's not until that administrator gets involved and says, hey, these need to be done. So as an administrator setting those expectations, these sections will be done on time and you will report to me each day that they're done. That's the only way it's going to happen. So it's really that administrator's role to step in and say, we've got to support the MDS nurse in this role so that we can get appropriate reimbursement and get these done on time so we stay in compliance.
0: And I love to work with administrators who get that. It's their job to hold other people accountable on that IDT and make sure they're coming to the meetings prepared, that they're getting things done by the deadline. It really does reduce the amount of stress on our MDS. Nurses, a lot. I mean, to a great degree, just reduces it. So let's focus on the administrators. What's your best advice to administrators to have a happy MDS nurse in their building who wants to work for them and stays?
1: Ooh, that's a tough one. I have lots of advice for administrators. I would say really understanding the time commitment it is for an MDS nurse to complete those MDS and that there's nobody to backfill. And when I've worked with administrators who truly understand that, their MDS nurses are happy and they're staying. I think I read a statistic the other day, like MDS openings across the country have gone up 15% since October 1. That's huge. That's a lot of MDS nurses that are saying, I'm out. I don't feel supported. I'm out. And as you read like the Facebook Pages or like the Apachean community. That's why people are leaving. They don't feel supported. And it's funny. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they have an MDS nurse who was really, really good, really good MDS nurse, accurate MDSs, high case mix index, really on top of quality measures. And she felt like she wasn't getting paid enough, and so she found another position where she could get paid more and gave her notice. And people around were like, "Why aren't you offering her more? Like, you want her to stay?" and and essentially the administrator said, don't let the door hit you on the way out. He's going to be in a world of hurt. It's going to take a month or two for it to catch up, but he's going to realize what he had. And when that position's still open two months later, he's really going to be regretting it. So I would say when you have an MDS nurse that's good and doing what they're supposed to, help them feel valued. And that doesn't always mean you have to throw money after them. It just means showing them that you appreciate it, showing them that you know how hard they're working.
0: I love that because I, I can't agree more. We all know there's a ceiling on wages. We know that there's, you know, it's not an endless pool to draw from, but I think making people feel valued, really, really focusing on protecting that role, not from doing their jobs, but from being pulled away so that they feel valued and they can do a good job and they have a sense of pride in fact that they did a good job. They completed an MDS and, and they know it was accurate. So love your advice. Love talking with you. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: You bet. Don't wait so
1: long to invite me back again.
0: No, no, not at all. I won't. But thanks everybody for tuning in with us. So you guys keep listening. We'll keep talking and take care. Bye.
1: Bye.